Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, how to grow your organizational and productivity practice, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. With every episode, we're going to learn from subject matter experts who can help you build your business in areas like marketing, HR, and finance. We'll also introduce you to business owners who are out there just like you are, and we'll learn from their successes and challenges. Please welcome your host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Stand Out, growing your organizing and productivity business podcast. My name is Sarah Karakayan, your host. Have you come across a business owner who seems to have a handle on every aspect of their business? Wonder how they seem to get it all done, especially if you know they're a solopreneur or they have just a couple people on their team. These business owners are probably expert outsourcers. They know exactly what to outsource and find the best person for the job so they can get back to doing what they do best, growing their business. But how do we know what to outsource? Where do we find trustworthy professionals to get the job done right? On today's show, we have Molly Rose Speed, the creator of the Academy for Virtual Assistants. After years as a corporate cubicle dweller, Molly Rose decided to live out her mission to live a life owning her time and her unique service to the world by helping passionate, mission-driven entrepreneurs implement their ideas online through flawless tech execution. Molly Rose is a solo world traveler, having visited over 16 countries in just the past two years. Molly Rose believes in creating a career and a life that allows you to do more of what you love. In addition to learning how to outsource different tasks in our business so we can get back to doing what we're good at and growing our business, I also want to talk to Molly Rose about being a virtual assistant. Some organizers and productivity consultants choose to add virtual assistant services to their wheelhouse. So since we have the creator of the Academy for Virtual Assistants, I thought, why not? We should pick her brain on being a VA as well. So welcome to Stand Out, Molly Rose. Thank you, Sarah. It's awesome to be here. I'm so excited for the show because I know myself, I have a small business and I am very much the like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll just take that on. I'll figure that out. But at the end of the day, I talk to successful people and they're like, you, you can't do it all. There's no way mm -hmm. you're going to grow mm -hmm. and expand. And, and A, I'm doing these things that I don't, A, I'm not that great at and B, I don't really enjoy. Yeah. Um, so I think you're going to be a wonderful resource to our listeners. So let's talk about, let's start at the beginning. Talk about your transition from corporate cubicle to life as an entrepreneur. Sure. So about five years ago, I had gone through three corporate jobs after college and just trying to, to find what I loved to start a career in because once I decided I was going to go all in and that was going to be the direction. And I realized I just had no time freedom. I was, you know, stuck in that 10 day vacation rut. I couldn't travel, which is my number one passion, as you said earlier. Um, and I'm also a military spouse. So I, I never saw my husband. I was never able to pick him up from deployments or drop him off or be with him when he had a couple weeks off. So I knew something needed to change. And I went to a conference and I heard the term entrepreneur for the first time, which now it's rampant, but you know, eight years ago, it, it was it kind of new and fresh and not as, as popular as it is now. Right. And I thought, wow, I can get paid for skills that I already know to do and, and people will 
respect and pay me for that. So I just started one client at a time and it grew and, and my skill sets went from, you know, checking email and booking travel to building websites and, and doing automations and courses and all sorts of things. So it's been awesome. And I don't think I would have grown in this way having stayed in the corporate world this quickly. Right. So what did you study in, in college? What was your focus? And then was that, did that translate into your, your corporate job? Yeah. So I studied finance, business finance, um, which I'm really happy. I think when I graduated, I I thought, oh, that was worthless. But I think it's translated so well in everything that I've done. And my jobs out of college, I was an analyst at two different companies, healthcare and manufacturing. And then I was also a manager at Target, which was one of the best jobs I've ever had. You just work really, really hard. Right. Um, But yeah, so that's what I did right out. I'm sure you learned so much from how to handle customer service, not only for the people shopping, but for the, because I've been a manager as well. Like it's a okay. crazy, thankless job sometimes, but you learn so much. So much. And you <laughs> leading people when you're 23 years old, my gosh. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So then how did you know that virtual assistants were a thing? Because I feel like that's also kind of a newer term. Yeah. Um, my first job, I think I didn't really even know what I was getting into, um, which made it really exciting. And having no plan kind of allowed me to do it quicker without thinking. Um, and my first contract gig was a social media campaign for a documentary. And a friend of mine had posted, we're hiring on Facebook, make a video and let us know if you're interested. And so I did, and I was all nervous, spent a whole Saturday making this little interview video and they picked me and that was my first like taste at running a, a social media campaign. And I, I, w- I didn't necessarily have structured training on doing that. I just figured it out, watched a whole bunch of tutorials and videos and it was a successful campaign. And from that, one of the founders needed a assistant. He had lost his assistant through the project. And so that's how I took on he, him as my first client. And then it kind of snowballed with referrals. And I assume he wasn't, you didn't go into the office. You worked with him via email and phone calls and Skype and that sort of thing. Yep. Yep. So I tested it kind of working as the project manager for social media and he kind of got to see my work ethic. And then I approached him when he's lo- he lost his assistant and I was like, wait a second, you need an assistant. He said, no, I'm going to try and do some stuff on my own. I'm like, no, you shouldn't. And after a few conversations, he jumped on board and I'm still working for him and he's my main source of income and we have a great business relationship. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. And so I I take it that he was your first client, but you still had your full-time job or had you all left? Okay. Yep. I had taken the leap. I just quit. I was so unhappy. So I took three months of just soul searching, (laughs) trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. I think a a big saver. A lot of our listeners can probably relate to that because professional organizing tends to be a second career path. You know, you don't usually, I actually now, I've actually had young people come up to me and say, I would like to be a professional organizer when I grow up, but, but I, that wasn't the case, you know, Yeah. you know, before. So I think everyone can relate to that. Okay. So when did you then realize there was a need to train virtual assistants and create this academy? Yeah. About Two years ago, which was way longer than when I actually started doing it, two and a half, um, I just kept getting approached and I go out to coffee with mostly females 
and they'd say, I want to do what you do. How do you do this? How do you get started? How do you get a client? And I was having the same conversation over and over and over. Meanwhile, I'm building courses for all of my clients. And finally, light bulb went out and I'm like, went off and I was said, I, I just do this for myself. And so that's how I married the two, my skill set and my knowledge. And I was able to, to launch this course. And no longer do I have to go sit in Starbucks for three hours and and just give advice, I can I can automate and reach a lot more people. Right. And then make yourself another source of income too. It doesn't Yeah, matter, absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And being in the military network, um, it's been really great because a lot of military spouses, this is an amazing career. And stay-at-home moms, I'm kind of in that age where all my friends are having kids. Yeah. So yeah, and then wow. their friends and their networks. So it's it's been really good. So I definitely want to dive into that side of things. But before we do that, let's talk about having virtual assistants help us in our business. So who can benefit from having a virtual assistant? Is it anybody? Is it new entrepreneurs, people who are more seasoned? What do you think? My personal opinion is if you're starting a business, you shouldn't necessarily um, dive in and get a virtual assistant right away. I think knowing the ins and outs of, of your business is very important, but then it be, there becomes a point where you need to do what you do best and earn the revenue where you can earn it the best and all other things need to be outsourced. But having that high level overview is very important because otherwise you'll lose touch on things or you'll lose your virtual assistant and have no idea how she was publishing all these posts or posting these blogs and these opt-ins or whatever it is, right? right. So you kind of have to know the, the operations, not necessarily, you know, A to Z, but from a safety net perspective. Sure. So I, I kind of feel like when, when you're all of a sudden doing things that you can outsource for less than you can make in revenue for that hour, you should do it. Gotcha. And yeah. so then when you say, you know, like opt-ins and, and email sequences and courses, are you, do you think when people hire you to help you help them do those things, they have a basic understanding. They don't have to know the whole tech side of it. Is that correct? The virtual assistant or the, the or the, the entrepreneur? The business owner. Business, yeah. No, I don't think they need to. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And, and technical things like course creation and websites, there's always someone that can build that. I'm talking about, you know, how are we sending payment links to our clients. Like that's something you should know in case right. things hit the fan. You know, how am I still keeping the basic operations running? Exactly. Yeah. So then how do, how does an entrepreneur find a virtual assistant? Lots of ways. Um, I have a lot of respect for the company Upwork that okay. I, I find my subcontractors through them. It takes a little bit of a skill and you have to um, really have patience and interview people and test them out and I can talk to that process. Um, the other way is really utilizing your network. I truly believe that there are people within our networks right now that want something part-time, 10 hours a week, five hours a week. Mm -hmm. And the virtual assistant tasks that you're starting with, they're, they're easy, easy to learn. You know, the things that people really need off their, their plate, like email management and posting a blog, you know, it right. doesn't have to be as complex as building websites. Right, right. Okay. So websites that are geared towards finding freelancers, networking, finding out maybe who else has a virtual assistant that they love. Yeah, absolutely. And then another big thing that's catching on are Facebook groups. If ah. you search, you know, virtual assistant into Facebook, you'll find all sorts of groups where all these VAs hang out. 
and are posting things and you as the business owner can go in and say, hey, I'm, I'm hiring for this job. This is the skill set that I need, the type of person I need, hours. And within you know minutes, people are applying for those positions. That's such a great idea. I've actually never thought yeah. of that. Yeah. They're really useful. Now, when we find a virtual assistant and we interview them, is there any way we can um, see if they have any sort of accreditation or um, education or like with, with, with professional organizers, you can become a certified professional organizer or you can belong to the NAPO chapter or the, just the national. Is there anything like that for VAs? There, to my knowledge, there isn't an industry standard for virtual assistants. So you never know what you're going to get. Okay. Um, so what I do when I'm starting to work with a new contractor, virtual assistant, is I give them a test, something that I've done personally, and I see how long it's going to take, what they're going to do to achieve it, um, and the outcome. So it could be something if you're hiring someone and you're really, your need is social media posting. Mm-hmm. You could have done this last month and, and kind of and replicate the process and outline it and have them do it and see what happens. Um, I find that to be a really good test if you're doing social media right. or if th- they need to clean up an email account, you know, you can kind of dummy it up and have them do something for you or right. give you writing samples or things like that that really help. Um, I'm hoping my program shows some sort of accreditation. I mean, the, it, I think when virtual assistants invest in themselves, it kind of put them, puts them on a different level. So that was my hope when I was going through this too, to kind of give them some type of, you know, resume builder badge that they can put on their website to show that they're invested in this as a serious professional. Absolutely. I mean, as organizers, we understand that as well, because it's kind of a newer profession that's recognized by people. And it's how do you tell who's, who's legit and who's, you know, not. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So you talked about going to like websites like Upwork and finding VAs. So then talk to us about that onboarding process. What's the best way for us to onboard and to train and to have a discussion with a professional like yourself to make sure that we're both a good fit and that we can work well together? Yeah. So I think it's not only the tasks at hand and making sure that they either know how to do them or can know how to do them because it's easy to learn things these days with YouTube and video tutorials. Um, but it's also their personality. Are they introverted or extroverted? Like, what are you looking for? Are they going to be dealing with your customer directly? Um, cause that might not matter then if they're not as vocal and communicative as you need them to be. Um, and then I, th- so I think it's really vetting that in the interview process before you even onboard them. And then it's having a you know, I usually say 60 to 90 days. I think 30 days is way too short for our trial. But having that open agreement that after 60 days, either of us can walk away, no feelings lost. Like, let's just make work, make sure we're a good fit. So it's all about communicating that to them and vice versa and them being able to give you feedback. I, I think the other thing that's extremely important is how you task your virtual assistant. So I've been in a lot of situations where, you know, I get a I get my list on Monday, but then I also get drips of tasks all week long via text, via Voxer, in my email box. And that's something you really have to be clear on as a virtual assistant and or as a business owner. How are you talking to each other? Because that can really kind of affect the animosity you have towards someone else or you get frustrated because they're texting you at Friday night at 530 for something. And and that, that just has to be really vetted before 
um, moving forward in a positive relationship. And just knowing that those things happen and that they exist, right. I think would make the business owner really successful in the relationship. Right. Because that's usually where it comes from. And what's the best way to communicate that onboarding process? Like, is it best to get on a, a video situation like this? Do emails work well? Phone calls? What do you What do you love the most? I love um, I love video at first, and then phone calls at least twice a month. Yep. Connect with your VA. I mean, if it's very basic and it's they're doing the same things every week, certainly like it, it should be a well oiled machine. But um, I think. The goal would, as a, for a virtual assistant is to not only be a virtual assistant, but to be a personal virtual assistant. Like have a relationship with the person you're working with because they'll care about the work that they're doing and you'll care about treating them really well and it'll be a really long lasting relationship. Yeah. Win-win for both so, parties. Yeah. And it's something we're missing, I think, a lot more as we go digital. It's just there's no human connection. So. Yeah. That's just a personal preference, I guess. I like that. We should add back in, you know, like you said, personal virtual assistant instead of just virtual assistant where it's like, it's a yeah. human on the other side of, of your yeah. computer screen or your phone. Like I'm essentially your executive assistant sitting in the office right in front of you if right. we were working in the corporate world. It's like you, you sent, you give me a Christmas card and, and we go to lunch every once in a while, but just kind of fostering that digitally as much yeah. as you can. Yeah. It's yeah. about building those relationships with everybody. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what services do VAs offer? You mentioned a few of them, like social media management, blog post writing, um, webinars. What else can they help us with? I mean, anything. Editing. Um, ebooks seem to be a huge thing right now for entrepreneurs. Uh, managing that process. Uh, making simple graphics using systems like Canva. Uh, Photoshop, if they know it. Um, social media, I mentioned. I find email management, if you can find a solid virtual assistant to help you with your email, small business owners should not be inundated with email all day. It's got to be the most unproductive thing that we have to deal with. Um, travel booking, um, they do research. I've hired a lot of virtual assistants for research and done a lot myself. Um, gosh. Wow. Um, yeah. Communicating with your customers, setting onboarding customers. If you're a coach or, um, you know, you run a program, they, they can handle all that. Getting contracts signed, invoicing, bookkeeping. I have a huge list. <laughs> right. And so I'm assuming, I mean, I, this is probably a silly question, but not every VA can handle all of those things. There are VAs who specialize in certain, certain. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And so that's another big difference. Um, and the, the women that I coach, they talk about, well, I, I'm really interested in just social media. Can I just be a social media assistant? And I'm like, yes, that's yeah. great. You'll be way more productive, streamlined. It'll be a wonderful business for you. And then there's other people that want to help small business owners run their entire business. So that's a bigger partnership, bigger contract and stuff. And, and that's kind of where I lie. Like I like to be a partner of someone. I don't necessarily want to do a piece of their business. Right. So being the jack of all trades has kind of benefited in this situation to kind of help with all, oversee all sorts of their business. So you kind of become like an operations director instead of a VA yeah. in those standpoints. So to answer your question, there's all different levels, right? There's just... You could have five VAs that specialize in these different things that you need, mm -hmm. or you can find one to do a little bit of it all, which right. I find to be very beneficial. Right, right. 
Very cool. So you mentioned contracts. What does that look like when we find the VA that we like, we want to start working with them? What should we know as business owners to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and our business, but also the, the virtual assistant themselves? Yeah. So I encourage all virtual assistants to have their own contract agreement. Um, and it can be adapted to the business owner that they're about to work with. And that's something that they can work on together. And it should be very transparent, no gray areas. Like this is when I get paid. This is how much. Um, if you go over on your hours, this is what happens. If you don't pay me, this is what happens. These are the skills that are required. This is how much that we are going to communicate each month. All of that has to be so specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just helps the relationship and the communication going forward. And I think for the business owner, if, if they choose to protect their, um, you know, all of their intellectual property and their, their business property, having some type of non-disclosure agreement or, um, you know, just even a written agreement that just says you are not supposed to speak about my business in any way to anyone that isn't in need of it. Right. I think it's a really important thing. Yeah. Because you don't want someone going off talking about all of your pricing or stealing all of your content. You know, it's very rare that that happens. You would know probably off the bat if that was the wrong fit for you. But make sure you have some sort of confidentiality agreement. That's the word. Yes. Confidentiality. Yep. 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 Just like with any other employee or subcontractor, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And people think it's daunting and, you know, oh, I don't need that, but just do it. It takes five seconds, send it to them and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yep. So this is the big question that everyone's going to, I know, wondering in their head, and I know it varies, but so what can we expect <laughs> to invest in a person, yeah. a virtual assistant? Yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> so, you know, six years ago, I would take anything that people would give me. I was just learning. Um, and now as I'm also hiring my own virtual assistants, training virtual assistants, and I am a virtual assistant, I find that if you're paying under... an hour to somebody based in the US. I just don't see where it's going to be a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. I I, I think that at some point they're going to leave because they can go find better money somewhere else. um, And it's just not going to be as productive. And I also think there's a lot of value in what what a virtual assistant does. So you as a business owner need to have an equal exchange of energy. And that's really important in, in monetary means. So I've seen virtual assistants charge anywhere from, you know, $15 an hour to $50, $60 an hour. It just depends on the skill set. So as the business owner, I think really vet kind of what you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might have a VA that also does web design. That's kind of a higher higher tasks. That's a more expensive thing. It takes a higher skill set. So if you're asking them to do email management and social media, maybe there's a rate for that. And then you project that other tasks that they can also do because you want to give them more business. Right. So there's ways to kind of keep it um, economical. And then for bigger projects or course building and things, you can just say, Hey, you know, I I really, you own this skill set as well. Instead of me reaching out to a different contractor, uh, give me a project rate and then do it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. Do a lot of VAs have their own website once you, once you, maybe if you're on these websites that, that showcase freelancers, would they have a place where we can go and see like, um, you know, other people they've worked for and their feedback? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot more of that. A lot of virtual assistants are running their own businesses in that way and taking it very seriously. I would say if they don't have a website though, it doesn't make them less valuable. You just kind of have to really 
you know, get them on maybe a video conference and kind of understand them that way, but yeah, that yeah. works. And the other thing to mention, there's two different ways to pay virtual assistants. So there's a retainer, which I like for multiple reasons. It um, secures your hours each month with a virtual assistant that are just dedicated to you. And it also allows you to budget a lot better. So you don't, you don't expect, you know, bills to be way higher than, than you think that they're going to be. So I I always kind of recommend a retainer agreement for that. Yeah. And and the other, so there's retainer, there's (laughs) hourly, hourly. Yep. Gotcha. And, and you, you as a business owner can say, Hey, you know, I have a budget for 20 hours a month. Um, we'll just do that. If you're under it's less, if it's over, um, just keep me posted. Um, from the virtual assistant side, I always kind of encourage them into the retainer aspect because yeah. it just it's just a better relationship. It's better for them. Yeah. They get more efficient at things. They get rewarded for it. It always ends up being very close though. Absolutely. And yeah. so then with the retainer, you're the, the, the VA is still tracking their time. They're yeah, just absolutely they're just guaranteed a certain amount so that, that they can be happier yeah, yeah, themselves. They, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So looking at it from both sides, it's yeah, I think small business owners, if you if you really want to um, support your assistants and your pay them a retainer, it's yeah. just a really it's a right way to go. Right, right, right. So, and you mentioned that um, you know you think that cheap outsourcing often means receiving cheap results. So, what kind of cheap results should we look out for? So, you know, there's subcontractors that I get on Upwork for, for you know under ten dollars an hour in other countries, and at first I used to think that that was wrong. But then I look up their cost of living and such, and it's a wonderful, actually a living when they're making money from the U S. Um, but it's very, when I'm paying even seven, $8 an hour for projects, I'm getting exactly what I asked for. Nothing more, nothing like it's, it's just bare bones. Um, no thought is really going into it. It's Mm -hmm. getting me data, making me this graphic, very specific. Um, and I think that if you're paying a virtual assistant the value that they're worth, they're going to do so much more for you. They're going to be autonomous. They're going to find gaps in your business and want to fix them instead of just saying, oh, I don't get paid to do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, and I've seen that a lot where you know, I'll, I'll send out a project to somebody and then I'll go follow up on things and everything's missing. Like there's payment links that are incorrect and, and it's like, but I didn't task them with that necessarily, but obviously they ran into it. Right. So that's kind of an example of, of that. Um, so yeah, I think what you, what you get is what you pay for. Yeah. I think paying well, you're going to get a great virtual assistant that provides you a ton of value beyond what you're even asking for. Right. Right. So you mentioned too, that you hire subcontractors other than hiring subcontractors for your business as a entrepreneur, do VAs hire subcontractors to help get their work done for the end user, the business owner? Is Sometimes, yep. And that's yep. and that's okay. And yep, that's okay. I'm very transparent with um, my clients, and I always let them know, "Hey, I have a team member that's going to be helping me with this, just so you know, in case they're logging into your accounts." And I always get permission for that. Very important. Um, but yeah, people do both. Gotcha. Let's talk about logging into the accounts. What is, what is that like? Like how can we as business owners feel comfortable with passwords to our emails, our social media accounts, um, 
all those things. Um, that confidentiality agreement, uh -huh. another good reason for that. Um, and again, I think it's really personally knowing your VA before you're giving them, giving them those really big um, account information. You know, I have bank account numbers for clients, credit card numbers, social security numbers. Um, and it's, a, it's trust. It's, it's knowing who you're working with and having that relationship again. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, but I would caution, you know, if you have a VA that you're just working with a few hours a month and that's all you need for certain things, having them have your social media accounts, what are they, what's going to happen? You know, I think those are kind of the bare bones mm -hmm. email might be a little bit higher of trust mm -hmm. and then getting into those billing types of things. You really need to know who you're working with. Right. A lot of people have used that last pass. Um, yes. Password protector. I know that that works for people. Um, I've just always, you know, I think brought myself in as a professional and it's never been a question. People just give me their information. So, right. you, you know, you know who you're working with. Right. And I think we have to not be afraid of all the bad things that can happen in exchange for just growing our business at crazy, amazing rates and getting things done. Yes, I agree. I agree. Because yeah. the outcome is way better than the rest. You know, maybe a Facebook post getting messed up or something. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and hear from um, our the NAPO sponsors. But as soon as we come back, I want to talk more about the other side of virtual assisting being a virtual assistant. So we'll be right back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University's live webinars. These webinars are offered several times each year. Many of NAPO University's courses are also available on demand, which enables students to purchase them and then watch or listen at any time. We have more than 140 courses ranging from starting an organizing business to productivity chain assessment and everything in between. Visit NAPO.net to learn more. Okay, listeners, we're back. I'm here with Molly Rose, who is a virtual assistant. She created the Academy for Virtual Assistants, and we've just spent a lot of time talking about how we can have VAs help us in our business, how we can trust VAs. We even talked about how much VAs can cost us, how to find them. All these things are great things to know, but I know that I've got friends who are business owners and they're professional organizers, they're, or they're um, productivity specialists, and they've started adding virtual assisting as part of their wheelhouse. And I think so many things of what you said, I mean, VAs have to organize their time. They have to know how to be most productive for their clients and for themselves. So, I mean, VAs, if they're good at what they do, they're incredibly organized and productive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd say being effective and efficient is extremely important. Yeah. So do you think it's natural for a professional organizer to maybe explore this world as a way to add uh, value to their business? Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, helping clients with systems and processes is a part of the VA role that a lot of VAs offer. So kind of just tweaking that and getting into that wheelhouse would be a huge opportunity. Right. So let's talk about your academy then. What what could someone expect to learn and go through if they were to do that program? Yeah. So the Academy for Virtual Assistance is a business course. So it's teaching VAs how to start and run a profitable virtual assistant geared business. Mm -hmm. So specifically, there's a lot of business courses out there, but this specifically teaches them how to communicate with their clients, how to manage a lot of projects, how to stay organized, how to make a profit as a virtual assistant, um, how to do billing and contracts, how to market yourself, how to pitch yourself, 
how to identify your skill sets in the, in the first place, how to write your service offerings, how to outsource if you need support. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it kind of covers all those aspects. I originally was thinking about doing like a toolkit where it's, they're learning their skills, um, but everything I learned is on YouTube. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd just be replicating a free resource, and I find that this is way more valuable. So. Absolutely. So what sort of ways could a professional organizer or productivity specialist implement the virtual assistant services? Should should they start out with maybe just doing professional organizing virtually as instead of going to the homes, we do a little more coaching or um, how how do you help virtual assistants identify what they're already good at and what they can help people do? Yeah, a lot of questioning um, and finding who their ideal client is and their niche client and then pairing that skill set with it. So let's take a wedding planner, for example. Somebody is a professional organizer. They're super interested in wedding weddings and wedding planning. Okay, okay great. Let's marry those passions together. Um, I think that they could come in and, and look at a wedding planner's business and see so many inefficiencies. Like, do they have a bookkeeping system? Do they have a way of communicating and tracking their clients, a software? Um, Do they have a way to follow up and send thank yous? Do they have something the day of that goes out? All all those like systems that they can automate, I think would make organizing a digital business extremely effective and kind of a service offering. Maybe they're not necessarily considering. There's so many systems out there that can just automate and save so much time for business owners and make them look professional and organized and they're not even lifting a finger. Right. Do you think there's any, this is, uh, this question just came into my head when you were saying that. Mm-hmm. Let's say we have a professional organizer who, who maybe has found out that she loves running her business more than working in her business, right? Like she's kind of been more hands-off with the organizing. He or she is just running the business and finding associates to go out and do the actual work. Is there a world where the professional organizer who's running the business could find a VA who maybe doesn't like the entrepreneurial side of it. And then she could bring her on as a subcontractor to work for her business. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this person could be a VA supporting a professional organizer running the business. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Huge value. Right. So let's say, let's say I'm, you know, I don't know, let's say me as a professional organizer, I have a big online following or, or even in a local community, right? I've I've already mastered it. I've got it. I'm there. I've got so much work and I can maybe hire a VA to come onto my team and do my VA department situation. Yes. So you're talking about managing their contractors? Managing their contractors or just taking on clients, but through the umbrella of my own business. Yes, completely could do that. Um, One of the things that I think a business owner might run into if they have a bunch of people that they're managing, that takes a lot of time. Right. So kind of putting someone in place that can help, you know, you, you as a business owner tell the v, the virtual assistant one message and they can disseminate ah. it would be a huge thing. Um, and then managing, helping you with your marketing, helping you with your personal email and help. Yeah. Your, your, your personal assistant running your business. I think right. Very valuable. Yeah. And that's even great. If maybe say you started your own business as a professional organizer, you've figured out that it's not for you, but you're really good at managing teams. You could then be a VA for other professional organizers. I mean, there's just so many mm-hmm. ways that you can rock this out. Okay. I want to talk about, um, tools that you use to stay organized virtually. So what are some of your favorite, let's start with time tracking since you 
do retainers an hourly? How do you track that time? I use a system called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. It's um, a Chrome extension and also a website and an app. It's awesome. You can um, allocate your time to certain projects, to certain clients, and it works out great. So even as a professional organizer, if you're not necessarily tracking your time uh, for money, you might want to just track your time. Like how much time is this client really taking me or how much time am I spending in email or on social media? It's really easy to just take care of that stuff and realize how efficient you actually are or are not probably. Right. Right. (laughs) And then does toggle, are we, are you then able to download some sort of, um, project, uh, screenshot for your client so you can say, this is how how much I've worked on this and here's proof and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. Absolutely. So you can download the report and so I can have client a, and then have all the things that I did for her. So if I did social media and I did bookkeeping and so it shows how much time I did for each thing. Right. So it takes a little bit of time for setup to kind of categorize everything. Um, but then once it's done, it's, it's a great resource if, if your client's requesting that type of detail. Gotcha. And then are you using anything else for like project management? Yes. I use two other big tools. My favorite tool, which also has a time tracking, um, ability as well. It's called 17 hats. Mm -hmm. It's a, it is what it says. It's, it's 17 plus different things to help business owners run their business Mm -hmm. and it automates everything. So it does everything from, um, doing your bookkeeping and your contracting to lead forms from the time someone signs up. An email responder goes out to them. It can send them your, your scheduling link. It can then auto prompt a invoice, their contract, and it just kind of systematizes through that. It also does all of my bookkeeping, which is really great. So, you know, it's tax season. I just downloaded my report for all of my income and my expenses and sent it off. And that's all I have to do. Um, it's the best. I love it. I'm a huge fan. And then the other project management tool I use is called Asana. Uh-huh. So I think that's getting really popular. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yep. I think everyone should be using it. And if you, if you support clients, each client should have its own project and yes. and every, everything's in there. We, we actually interviewed Joshua, who is like the community director for Asana. <sighs> cool. Um, yeah. And we got to nerd out for a, a conversation, but, um, it's a really yes. cool tool that I, I haven't explored very much myself, but, um, I'm starting to get really excited about how it can help me in my business. So yes, it's great. I love it. I love that. And so like, how do you, I don't know, I'm just imagining even in my own business with social media and email and all that kind of stuff, something, some things I can batch, but some things are time sensitive. So how do you keep that all straight? How many clients do you have at a time? Let's start there. Oh, okay. Right now I have six at the most I've had 10 or 11, which is a lot for being a VA way too much. Um, and I realized that that was a learning experience where I was like, Nope, as a virtual assistant, you should not have (laughs) 11 clients at once. Um, so yeah, currently have six clients, three, I do, I specifically support them in a certain area of public speaking. It's just one of my niches. I support a lot of public speakers. Okay. Um, and then the other three, I'm a task oriented virtual assistant. So doing a lot of the common VA tasks that we've been discussing. Gotcha. Gotcha. And would you say that, uh, you've figured out, you've mastered the, the hours that you work. So you still have nights and you still have weekends and yeah. you travel, you know what I mean? Like, yep. Yeah. That's funny. Cause my husband was actually just commenting recently. He's like, you know, I end work at five 30. You need to too. Cause I just, 
if I have something that I need to do, I'm always doing it. So yeah. that's something I'm, I'm personally trying to protect right now, which is going really well. My computer stays downstairs. Um, but I mostly do, you know, I have my three clients that I do most VA support for. There's one that I only touch on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then the other two I do work for, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I try to kind of block as much as I can. If an email comes through, it's time sensitive. I start my timer, I take care of it and I stop my timer and it's done. Um, but that's been a, a huge learning. That's something that's in my program. Like how do you manage your time and, and what works for you? For a lot of people, block scheduling does not work. Yeah. If they have something that comes through their inbox, they just have to take care of it. Sure. And that's fine end of the day, your inbox is at zero and your time's been tracked. It doesn't matter how you get it done if, if that works for you. Do you put running your business first, the academy and all the training that you do, or is all of that pretty much, is all of that pretty much evergreen content now that you don't really have to manage or? Yeah, it's evergreen for a while when I was building it. Um, it did. So Monday mornings, like your brain is so fresh and you're ready to go. Depending on how you spent your Sunday. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and that, that was my time. I didn't touch client work until noon. Um, so if you're a professional organizer and you're also offering virtual assistant work, I would I beg to argue that your business should probably kind of be at the forefront. Mm -hmm. So I think there's so much power in the first two hours of the day. Mm -hmm. So And that's something I've been actually personally exploring right now. So not getting into work until 8.30 or 9 o'clock sitting in my office. Like that's really important. I need to start, you know, focusing on my brain in the morning and doing all these things that everyone's telling us to do, like meditate and read and go for walks and just take your time for yourself. And I think as a business owner, we lose so much sight of that because we're just like, clients need me. I have to do this at 6 a.m. Yeah. That's, that's something you really have to protect. So yes. yeah, I have recommendations, but again, it's everybody's kind of what, what works for them. Right. I, I think there's a lot of value there. I used to keep my phone next to my bed for my alarm, like most of us do, but then I would hear mm -hmm. or see the notifications of an email come up and that would get me out of bed. And I thought that was a great thing. I'm like, well, I'm getting out of bed to answer this email, but you're right. Then you don't take care of yourself. You don't take care of your brain. And yeah. And you're just, and then you're in client mode immediately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so going on an airplane and they tell you to like, you know, help yourself first, give yourself oxygen and then you can help your <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So talking through this, I think that is the way to go. That's what we should all be doing. And I also hold a lot of value for Fridays for myself for self-care. It's just, it's my day. It's my time to meet my girlfriends for happy hour. It's, you know, run to the store and just relax on Friday afternoon. So I don't schedule any calls afternoon on Friday. So just little things you can do for yourself, whatever is important to you, preserve that and then run your business. You'll be better for it. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> it is. It is hard to do. <laughs> hard. So actually something you just mentioned about five minutes ago, I thought would be great for our listeners to, to hear a bit more on. You said you help a lot of public speakers. A lot yeah. of the guests I've had on the show are belong to the, the National Speakers Association and, and a lot of organizers will go out into into town and they'll, and they'll speak about how to get organized. So how do you help public speakers? What's a, yeah. Uh, so yeah. my main client that I talked about, that guy that I, you know, kept beating up to be his assistant a long time ago, he's a public speaker. So okay. that's how I started. I got into the industry. I've been booking gigs for him for five and a half years. Um, and I've just learned how to automate and professionalize the system so well that now that's my ideal client. That's who I target. That's, 
and I could help them so much. And they're such an awesome um, individual to help because public speakers are out sharing their message. They're really cool people. They're usually extroverted, very interesting. So I find them very amazing to support and it adds a lot of value. Um, so the work I do a lot, I use the system 17 hats. So public speakers that aren't have the capacity to hire somebody to help them, they could do this themselves. And it's, again, I set up what they call workflows. So when somebody puts in a lead to, to book you, they were getting an automated response, schedule a call with me to get started. And we'll talk through your budget and your details. Um, and then if, if the, the phone call goes good and they want to book you, um, immediately it sends the invoice, it sends the contract and they're in the system ready to go. And all you have to do is push buttons. Like you don't have to get word documents out and download the PDF and get them to sign it. It's all electronic. So the, the time savings of, of systematizing, whether it's 70 cats or something else is right. awesome. And so now I'm sharing that with a few other like startup speakers and stuff and offering that as a support as well. So yeah. Yeah. Public speakers are, they're fun to work with. <laughs> I bet. And if, I mean that you've just made yourself, I, I fear that you're going to get inundated with like tons of content. <laughs> no. Hey guys, like, help me get jobs. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's very cool. Okay. So before we wrap up our, our session, I always ask our guest for two big impact next act items that maybe our listeners can write on sticky notes and put on their office wall. Um, that, can help us, uh, you know, grow our business as organizers and productivity specialists. So you can answer this either from maybe you have one sticky note for how to use VAs to grow your business, then one for how to add it to your wheelhouse so you can grow your business that way too. But what two big impact steps would you would you leave our listeners with? I would say identify. I actually just did this. I would identify all the tasks that you do. Every week, every day, so just start a notebook and do it for the next week. And then at the end of the week, circle all the things that make you money and put a square around all the things that you actually genuinely enjoy doing that you wouldn't want to give away. Mm-hmm. All the rest of those things, write job description and get a virtual assistant. You should not be doing them because they're not making you money. They're just, it's just stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that for the business owner, I'd say for virtual assistants, um, start mentally thinking about how you can make yourself come across as a premium virtual assistant. And I think we kind of talked about that earlier. Something that a lot of virtual assistants are missing right now is how do I become a personal virtual assistant? Mm -hmm. How do I really connect with VAs and become a business partner with them, uh, or with business owners and become a business partner? So I would have a sticky note that says personal, professional, virtual assistant and start thinking through that side of the business for you and how you can really brand yourself and come across in that way. I love that. You're really elevating yourself as as a brand. And that's, it it starts with us. No one else is going to call us those things. We kind of have to get that message out there ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's good. Actually even thought for me as well. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, in your title to add that personal word to it. Cause I think if I see that as a business owner, if I really care about my business and who's going to help me with it and have the passwords to my bank accounts, right. Someone who's a person who actually cares about what they do. Yep. Absolutely. Molly Rose, this has been really um, valuable. And I know our listeners are going to be rocking their brain on how they can outsource, outsource, outsource the things that are important in our business, but maybe aren't our favorite things to do. 
Absolutely. Where can, where can our listeners find more about you? Where do you like to be contacted? Is it via email? Are you online on social media? Yep. So I'm at mollyrosespeed.com and uh, that's all over Facebook as well. And then the Academy for Virtual Assistance, if anyone's looking for virtual assistant support. Yeah. I think that's great. That's a great way to elevate yourself to add that word personal and then invest in yourself with yep. someone who's been doing it for a while now and knows the ropes. Absolutely. Great. Well, listeners, how about you? What can you do today, this week, to make a change in your business for the better? Are you inspired to outsource something in your business? Have you been thinking about doing it forever now and you've just put it off and put it off, put it off? I think Molly Rose gave us a great task. We can list the things we love doing, list the things that make us money and everything else outsource. I'm Sarah Karakayan, and that wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thanks for hanging out with me and for learning with me. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with nuggets of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review, hit that subscribe button, and then share it. Share it with your coworkers, with your friends, or anyone else who may find this valuable, especially with this virtual assistant thing. You don't have to have a professional organizing business or a productivity business to, to help someone. So anyone who has a business who could benefit from episode, share it with them. Um, Thank you again for your time. I look forward to hanging out with you next time and I'll talk to you then. That's all for this episode of Stand Out, brought to you by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to learn more about our educational offerings, our local chapters, and both certification and certificate opportunities. Don't miss an episode as we help you build the business you've always dreamed of owning. 